Welcome to this week's podcast from Oceans Church in Orange County. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. For more information, please visit our website at theoceanschurch.com. I, uh, I, I'm just so honored to stand in this moment and bring this word. I just feel so gripped by. But before I start, I, I want to give you my story so you know where this Mexican is coming from and it explains my spicy, okay? So um, I grew up on the border of the United States and Mexico, and you have, I promise to Jesus, you have heard of my city, but for all the wrong reasons, all right? Uh, because nobody vacations in my city, all right? You go for one of two reasons. Number one, do you go to visit family? Or number two, you go to do something illegal. That's the only reason. If you've seen an episode of Narcos, that's all our family. <laughs> all right, so all the drug wars, cartel wars, trafficking. Okay, those are all our cousins. All right, so um, uh, Christmas is fun or the FBI is involved. There was never an in-between. All right, so by the age of 12, growing up as a cartel kid, growing up in that kind of environment, you can, you can tell, obviously. Um, you, you know, I found myself with a drug addiction, a lust problem, and an anger issue, but I love to play basketball. Come on, anybody love to hoop in here, right? So I would go to this church that had a gym, and they would open it up uh, to get all these kids into the gym and, and then move us from the gym to the youth service. Well, I would never stay in that transition. I would always dip and leave and find somewhere else to play. But the youth pastor got involved in my life, and one day he came to me and he said, he said, hey, do you want to go to church camp? I had no idea what this was, okay? He said, hey, you want to go to church camp? And I said, there are going to be hot girls at this camp. There will be fine women at this camp. And he said, well, we're going to go for Jesus. I said, fine, you can go for Jesus. I'm going to get some phone numbers. <laughs> I'm going to camp. What I didn't realize is on the first night of that camp, your boy got saved, got filled with the Holy Spirit, and I called a ministry all in one night. Game-changing night for me. And I've been ruined ever since, I'll be honest with you. From that point forward, I went to Bible college, came out of that, and I became the online sales director for every luxury car company except Lamborghini. And so my wife and I had made financial goals that most people retire at at the age of 21 and 22. But listen, it doesn't matter how wealthy you are. If you're not in the will of God, you'll be miserable. And so I'll never forget when God spoke to us and he said, sell everything you have, give it all away, all the money, give everything away, and move to Sri Lanka. How many know where Sri Lanka's at? No, come on, Sri Lanka's at... Okay, all four of you. Okay, Sri Lanka is 40 miles south of India. It was in the middle of a civil war. I remember mortar shells blowing up down the road from our home all the time. I remember suicide bombers bombing the hotels we would stay in all the time. But in the middle of all that chaos, God was still raising up his church, and we saw daily salvations, signs, wonders, healings, miracle, freedom. It was powerful came back, took over student ministry in the States, and we just had this sweeping revival come through where, where we watched a young generation just begin to align with a risk-taker lifestyle and taking ground. It was powerful. And then for the last 12, uh, 10, 10 years of my life, excuse me, we have been dedicated to raising and releasing the next wave of influencers in the college-level space. We spent 10 years uh, leading out at Christ for the Nations Institute in Dallas and building it up to 68 campuses. And now we're serving under this incredible vision at Missions Me where we get to unite the global church for the salvation and transformation of nations, and we get to be on the front lines doing it. And there's no way I could do all this by myself. I have my wonderful wife to thank for much of this. And she's right here in the front row. Would you stand up and say hi to everybody? This is my wife, Erica. 
We have four amazing kids that all love Oceans Church, and the truth is I can't think of a better place to be than right here at Oceans Church this morning. Anybody else excited about being at church? Now, you can tell I don't do no quiet church, all right? I'm too Mexican for that. Come on, where the caramel people at? Come on, talk to me. Where are the brown people at caramel, right? And we got some chocolate. Where you at, chocolate? Talk to us. And we got a lot of whipped cream up in this tent, all right? It don't matter what flavor you are. We just don't do no quiet church, all right? We believe a quiet church is a dead church, all right? And I believe the word of God deserves a response. You know, I, I love I loved playing on my home field because it meant I had the most crowd support. Well, I believe we should give the word the most crowd support at church. Are you with me? All right, so don't go quiet on me. Don't you dare go quiet on me. Say, come on, somebody. Say, come on, somebody. I don't even know how to spell that. Biggest word I know is mayonnaise. Not even going to lie. All right. Are you ready for the word? Come on, church. Are you ready for the word? I believe it. I believe it. Hey, turn on your Bible and go. I know a generation we live in for Christ, but I don't care if we say lit. It's lit. Okay. Um, Second Kings chapter six, second Kings, the sixth chapter. And while you're turning there, I'm going to give you some background because we're really going to parachute in the middle of a situation here. In 2 Kings, you'll find that the king of Syria is always starting trouble with the nation of Israel. And he would constantly think of ways of how to create conflict. He was always trying to ambush and raid into the nation. And every time he would think of something and strategize it, he would then talk with his generals. But as soon as it was leaving his mouth, the prophet Israel would hear what he was saying in the spirit, and he would tell the king of Israel, hey, you're about to be invaded. Send reinforcements and garrisons to this place. The Bible's very clear. It says time and again, Elisha would do this. And so he was this holy disruptor, if you will. He was this holy rebellion that God raised up as an ear and a voice in a moment where it was absolutely necessary. So this wicked king is frustrated. I mean, he is so mad. The Bible says he's full of rage. It looked like he tongue-kissed a lemon. I mean, it's always like this, right? And so finally, he calls everybody together and goes, what, who's, tra- who, who's informing? Who's the traitor? I got a leak in my administration. Watch what happens here. Second Kings chapter 6. Let's begin reading. Uh, yeah, we'll begin eating in verse 8. It says, when the king of Syria was at war with Israel, he would confer with his officers and say, we will mobilize our forces at such and such place. But immediately, Elisha, the man of God, would warn the king of Israel. Do not go near that place, for the Syrians are planning to mobilize their troops there. So the king of Israel would send word to the place indicated by the man of God. Time and again, Elisha warned the king of Israel so that he would be on alert there. So this didn't happen one time. This happened plenty of times, right? Look at verse 11. The king of Syria became so upset over this, he called his officers together and demanded, which of you is the traitor who's been informing the king of israel of my plans it's not us my lord the king they replied one of the officers said elisha the prophet in israel tells the king of israel even the words you speak in the privacy of your bedroom come on that's awkward let's be honest all the married folk right that's awkward that's like that pillow talk ain't staying on a pillow very long right it says, go and find out where he is, the king commanded, so I may send troops to seize him. And the report came back, Elisha's at Dothan. So one night, the king of Syria sent a great army with many chariots and horses to surround the city. When the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning and went outside, there was troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. Oh, sir, what will we do now? The young servant cried to Elisha. Elisha replied, don't be afraid. 
I've just found that anytime God prefaces something with, do not be afraid, something good is about to happen. It's just going to get gooder and gooder and gooder, right? He says, don't be afraid, Elisha told him. Watch this. For there are more with us than against us. My goodness, that's good right there. There are more with you in your marriage, in your children, in your job, in your heart. There is always more with us than against us. Elisha prayed, oh, Lord, open his eyes. Oh, this is so rich right here. Come on, say that with me. Open his eyes. This is so good. Oh, Lord, open his eyes and let him see. The Lord opened the young man's eyes, and when he looked up, he saw the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. As the Arameans advanced toward him, Elisha prayed, Oh Lord, now please strike them with blindness. And the Lord struck this army with blindness as Elisha had asked. My goodness, there is so much to unpack in this passage. We're going to do that, but let's pray. Holy Spirit, I thank you for your presence here. And I thank you for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus Christ that's flooding every heart right now. In fact, I, I just take authority in this moment. I speak over the atmospheres that are represented, people's lives, people's minds, God, people's current situation. I speak to the atmosphere and I say, you are full of faith and you are full of hope and you are full of peace and you are full of joy. I come against every limit, every restriction, every lie, every demonic harassment. I say it's broken now in Jesus' name. And I call your men and women to the front lines of their destiny. Lord, as they're moving your kingdom forward, and we thank you for a great outpouring that's happening in our day, in this moment, before our eyes, in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone shout it. Amen. 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 I I'm calling this message, Stay Woke. I want to talk to you from this subject. Now, I am not watering this down with political woke cultural woke, social media woke. I think God has bigger dreams and plans than that. I am telling you, spiritually speaking, stay woke. It's amazing how the slumber of trouble, how the comfort that comes from a battle can put us to bed or put us in flight so fast. But when you're woke, you will stand your ground. You will draw a line in the sand. You won't take no for an answer because you know God has possessed you with the promise that you are going to stay woke. Are you following me? I feel this right now because I feel like there could be scales and veils, smoke and mirrors that are trying to hoodwink and bamboozle us into thinking that this is what's really happening when God always has a better word. He always has a better strategy. He is playing chess while the enemy is playing checkers because I am woke. I stay woke. Are you with me? I remember one time I was coming out of the gym. That's, uh, that doesn't mean anything to anybody in Orange County because apparently you get a gym membership before you get a house when you move out here. I only lived here two years and I knew that. But I was coming out of the gym. Actually, I was coming out of a dodgeball tournament in a gym. And so anybody remember real dodgeball? I'm talking about real dodgeball. Not them little soft foam balls that they give all these soft kids. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm talking about on the playground when you had that rubber ball. Anybody remember the tread on the rubber? And you took one of those to the face. And you wore that treadmark with pride around the rest of the school like I'm a, I'm a boss, right? So, so I, I'll never forget, I was coming out of a dodgeball tournament. We got eliminated early. That's not important. And so I get this. I'm walking out of the gym. I get this text message on my phone. It says, yo, what's up? Next text message, this Antoine. Next text message, is this Darnisha from Saturday night? So 
I promise before Jehovah God, Pastor Michelle, I meant to say, this is not Darnisha. Bamba autocorrect on my phone said, this is Darnisha. To which Antoine responded, sup, girl. Well, I have nothing else to do. So I just responded back, nothing. He, 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 emoji, 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 the whole thing, Jeff, whatever. Hey, I'm not lying. This is a true story. And so he said, what you doing right now? I said, I just got out the gym. I'm kind of tired. He, and he said, well, you should go to bed then. I'm like, oh, look at Antoine speaking godly direction into my life. This man's amazing. So I, I get in bed that night. Anyone that knows me, I go to bed early. I'm, I'm a, nine, uh, a 9 p.m., 5 a.m. wake up. That's who I, I've always been that way. I just love early mornings. Uh, and so I remember uh, I'm in bed and anyone on our team, anyone who really knows me, you don't text Pastor Chris, you don't text me after 9 p.m. because you ain't getting a response the next morning. So I'm lying in bed, falling asleep. Erica's sitting right, laying right next to me reading her Bible because she's the real Christian. And, and I'm sitting there and my phone goes off, right? And I'm thinking, that could only be one person. Sure enough, it was Antoine. And he said, sweet dreams, baby girl. And I'm like, oh. Look at Antoine, caring about the condition of my res. This guy's amazing. So I pick up the phone and I start texting back, but I'm laughing. I'm like, <laughs> he don't even know, right? Sure enough, my wife asked, um, who's that? I said, it's Antoine. <laughs> and she's like, well, who's Antoine? What does he want? I said, well, he, he want to talk to Darnisha. And she said, well, who's Darnisha? I said, uh, I'm Darnisha. <laughs> she said, hold on, you're a married man pretending to be a woman talking to another man. I said, baby, when you say it like that, it sounds bad. <laughs> this went on for two weeks. Yes, it did. Yes, I am that pastor. <laughs> I'm that guy. All right. This went on for two weeks. Yes, it did. In fact, I started a hashtag that started getting followed. It's called Days of Darnisha. Darnisha with an E because she's a deep soul, strong woman. Days of Darnisha. I mean, I had people message me from all over the world like, you're the best pastor, keep it going. And I would have, no lie, I would have. But then Antoine made a request. Out of nowhere, he said, hey, I want to see you again. Now, I know that Antoine's going to notice Darnisha don't look like what he first saw her as. I, I, he's going to figure out I am not who I've been saying I am. You know, I feel like many times we interpret our storms, we interpret our struggles, we interpret our problems, and we think they're this when God is really doing this. We think it's that when God is really building that. We think it's here when God's saying, don't get distracted, focus over here. Are you following me? You're not in the trouble you think you're in. You're not in the storm you think you're in. You're not in the issues you think you're in. But if you can, everyone that has an ear to hear and eye to see, you will understand the spiritually mature and aware know that there is a greater purpose, that there is a higher vision, that there's a greater game plan that's being spelled out. And what we need to understand is how to stay Woke. My question is, where are the woke people at? Because I see people living headline to headline and post to post and article to article. But where are the ones who are saying, that might be nice, but God has already put a promise in me. He's already put his word in me. He's already positioned and postured me to know I'm staying woke. Are you with me? 
I, I believe a lot of times what God is trying to do is not let the shroud and the veil and the scales come on our eyes like they were before we were saved, where we start making excuses for our lack of risk or our lack of hunger, and we call it caution maturity when it's really just fear-based. I, 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 mean, I feel this in Ocean Church. We are a woke church. This is a woke people. You're raising woke kids. And I'm not talking about political or cultural. I'm talking about they're going to be aware of the presence of God everywhere they go. They're going to be dangerous for good. Come on. How many of you want babies that are risk takers? Ones who are transforming nations. Ones who are pulling down strongholds. Ones that are speaking to kings and queens. And they're only nine. Where are the woke at? Where are the fearless ones? Where are the mighty ones? Where are the woke? And if we're going to stay woke, let me give you three things the woke get to say with their life. Number one, number one, I'm ahead. I live ahead. I stay ahead. You know, it, 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 it should be very clear, but let me just unveil this for a second. That in Daniel chapter 7, we see a long-term strategy of the enemy is to get us to misinterpret our times and our seasons. It says this Daniel 7. He wants you to think that you are being attacked when really you are the ambush. He wants you to think you're out of season when you're really in season. He wants you to think you're weak when God's grace is really perfecting that strength on the inside of you. And you are ahead. I'll never forget one time I had a student. He, uh, he, he took a nap before our, our Wednesday night service. And I remember he, in the dream, this is what he told me. He said, I had a dream when I took a nap. And the Lord Jesus came to me and he brought me a gallon Ziploc bag. And he gave it to me. He said, go to this Walmart down the street. I want you to stand in the pharmacy aisle. And whoever you pray for, I'm going to heal them. So the 16-year-old wakes up, gets in his car, drives to Walmart, stands in the pharmacy aisle. People are grabbing their prescriptions as they're coming out. He goes, hey. My, my name's Chris, I'm from Ocean's Church, and God spoke to me and told me to come stand right here, and whoever I would pray for is going to get totally healed. What do you need healing for? Well, what's she going to say? I mean, she's not going to be like, I don't need nothing. you got a bag of pills for something. Something, right? So she's, he said, uh, he, he's, she's like, well, I have back, uh, back pain. It caused me a lot of discomfort. He said, no problem, God can heal that. So he says, can I pray for you? She said, yeah. He said, may I lay my hands on your shoulder? She said, yeah. He lays hands on her shoulder. She says, he says, Father, in the name of Jesus, I command this back. Be healed and all this pain to go right now in Jesus' name. At, when he says go, this woman goes, whoa. And he goes, what happened? She said, I, I, I feel different. Something happened. He said, well, we'll do something you couldn't do before. She said, I couldn't bend over. He said, bend over. So she goes, okay. She comes up. And she goes back down, comes back up, goes back, does this the whole time. Then, oh my gosh, oh my God. And God totally heals her back in this pharmacy. There was a line of people that were watching this and people are like, I'm totally next. I get it next. A Walmart employee came over and took a, brought a gallon Ziploc bag and said, you're going to need this. Because this woman had said, I don't have any more pain here. Take my pills and gave these pills to the kid. I'm telling you, someone came up next, they had asthma. Someone else came up, they got totally healed. Another person, I'm by the end of it, he had two Ziploc bags full of prescription meds. He came to church going, hey, Pastor Chris, check it out. I'm like, what are you doing? Because this kid has a past. And I was like, did he relapse? Is he trying to sell to all the others? I'm, I'm woke, woke, right? And he said, no, let me tell you what happened. He told me the dream. Why would that happen? Because God had prepared this kid in a dream 
while somebody thought I got to pick up my prescriptions a couple of hours later, this kid wakes up with an authority and with a word and with a promise that I'm going to cause a destiny journey point and there's going to be a collision of God's healing power come on your life. Where are the woke? I'll tell you where they're at. They're always living ahead. This is what the world is frustrated about us. This is why the, the kingdom of darkness hates us because I am not anchored in this world. I am anchored in heaven and I live from heaven to earth, not earth to heaven. I'm not moved by what's happening here. I'm moved by his word. I'm moved by his voice. I'm moved by his, come on, following the cloud, the pillar of fire by night, the cloud by day. I am moved on a whole different level. Why? Because I'm woke. I stay ahead. I, I love this. It says, that in verse, uh, verse 14, it says Elisha would inform. Oh, I'm sorry, not verse 14. It says, uh, ver <coughs> excuse me, I got caught up there. Verse 9 and verse 12. It says Elisha would inform the king of Israel time yes. and again. He would constantly let the king of Israel know what wicked plans were being marched against him. Yeah. I believe this is a quality that's going to be happening in the church. I love that we have intercessors meeting early in the morning. I mean, I got a text from Jay about, hey, we just felt a strong anointing today. I, that just tells me God is going a, ahead of me. Are you with me? I love when my wife texts me, I, you know, 46 weekends out of the year, I'm out of town. On a Sunday, I'm in a different church every weekend almost. And every, I can't tell you how many times she or one of my kids has told me the exact message I'm going to preach, sometimes even the points that I'm going to share because God is going ahead of me. Are you following me? What would it be like if we had a praying church, if we had an interceding church where they were woke up to the realities of heaven and they heard there's a terrorist plot or there's an attack and you got in touch with the right people and you were able to shut it down before it ever started because baby... You were woke, and you were ready, and you lived ahead. Where are the woke at? I'll tell you where they're at. I believe they're in Ocean's Church. I believe what God's been doing in our church through this series has been waking up fresh hunger. I believe where you were suffocated either by bad teaching or never knowing, God has been removing everything out of the way and you feel a fresh longing, a fresh desire for Holy Spirit to take you into the promises of greater intimacy with the Lord or even walk with greater authority and power to administer greater revelation because you're woke. There's something about hunger. Hunger is a mystery. It, I'm telling you, the spiritual hunger that we've been talking about, there's something about spiritual hunger that you can be satisfied and in the same moment, hungry for more. This is what happens when you get woke. You get to stay ahead. Here's the second thing. If you're going to be woke, number one, you get to say, I'm ahead. Number two, you get to say, I'm an ambush. I'm an ambush. I love this. Uh, verse 16, I, I love this. Don't be afraid. There are more with us than against us. You do realize that that fiery angel army is still around to this day. You do realize that. So that would tell me that I have the right biblical alignment to say in any situation, in any struggle, against any giant, coming against any wall, delivering on any impossible situation, there is more with us at Ocean's Church. There is more in my marriage. There is more in my children than there could ever be against us. I, I remember one time 
uh, I uh, talking about being in ambush. I had a I had an office. I was sitting in my office. My door was closed, and my assistant sat outside my office. And she's at that time she's El Salvadorian, uh, and my assistant at the time was El Salvadorian. So she came with all the spicy. All right, she ain't playing with nobody. All right, and so this woman comes in like loud yelling, "Where's Pastor Chris? I need to talk to Pastor Chris. Where's Pastor Chris? I need to talk to Pastor Chris. Where's Pastor Chris?" And my sister's like, what you coming here? What you want with Pastor Chris for talking like that? In the middle of this, as I'm hearing it, I go to the door and I do what any man of God does in this situation. I lock the door. <laughs> and I ain't getting a case. I am not getting a case. All right. And so, and then I put my ear to the door to see what's going on because I'm nosy. And so I remember this woman says, she says, I heard a voice come in my car and it gave me this address. I have an unlisted address. Gave me this address and told me that Pastor Chris will be here. And then she told me he has a message for me. Wow. I mean, I, I know who the voice is. She don't know who the voice is. I know who the voice is. She don't know. I know. And I remember looking up to heaven going, oh, really? Because I actually prayed this morning, and you mentioned nothing about crazy women storming the office, talking about I got a message for her. What message is that? And I told the Lord, I said, Lord, I'm not ready. And he said, son, no problem. I'm ready. He says, when I'm ready, that's when you're ready. Just know that I'm always ready. And she's saying, I need to talk to him. And I said, ma'am, stop. I, I opened the door. I said, ma'am, come in. Please, come in. I told him, I said, you come too. <laughs> this woman starts to tell me how she's on her fourth divorce. She just got served the papers. She has a baby with each one of these dads. It's a generational curse that's happened to her mother, her grandmother, her great-grandmother. She says, I'm so broken hard, I, know what to do. I don't know what to do. And I was crying on the way to work, and I heard you preach at a church two years ago. And every so often, I'll go back and listen to that message. That's the only message I've heard for two years. I'm thinking, my God, woman, that's so bad. There's, <laughs> there's great people besides me. You should listen to Mark Francis stuff before you listen to me, right? And, she, uh, she's, and I said, ma'am, listen, I believe that why, what you came for is that you need to surrender your life fully to Jesus. He loves you. He's not in love with the future version of you. He's not mad about any choices you have made or any pain that's on your life. In fact, he can heal it right now. But the first step is surrendering your life. She starts to weep and cry. And I said, do you want to surrender? She said, absolutely. She gets saved right there on the couch in my office as my assistant are praying for her. She gets freed and she is still serving in that church to this day. Why? Because God will keep you ahead. And when you thought you were getting blindsided, God was saying, no, that's not a smoke screen. That's an ambush on my part. I believe there's something about being woke that you separate yourself from everyone else. This is interesting. Look at verse 17. It says, Elisha prayed, oh, Lord, open his eyes and let him see. The Lord opened the young man's eyes, and when he looked up, he saw the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses, horses, horses and chariots of fire. You know, I think many times what would help us is noticing what the Bible does not say. In fact, I, like, like for instance, it doesn't say that the, uh, the, that the devil can, can, transform, can transform himself into an angel of light. It says he does. He will try to get you to think that something is so godly and something is so pure, you will lower your standards, you will pollute your heart and your thought life because you think it's that, and then he's trapped you with another struggle. I hope I'm talking to somebody today. But it's interesting. Sometimes we need to pay attention to what is not said. Notice what Elisha never prays. Notice what he does not pray. He says, Lord, open his eyes. Notice what he doesn't pray. As he's surrounded by an enemy army, 
He doesn't pray, Lord, are you with us? Lord, are you going to deliver me? Lord, are you going to protect me? He doesn't pray this. In fact, he doesn't even pray about the army. He don't pray about the opposition. He don't pray about the struggle. or the. He don't pray about any of this. The only thing he prays is, Lord, open his eyes, which tells me that the biggest priority to this prophet wasn't this enemy coming against him. It was a blind servant standing right next to him. Could it be that what God is doing in this hunger series is opening your eyes to a fresh love, to a fresh hope, to a fresh joy? Come on, he's so good. To a fresh authority in your life. And what you are realizing is I'm woke now and I'm not going back to sleep with my addictions and I'm not going back to the slumber of my depression and I'm not going back and letting my abuse tuck me in bed. I'm woke. I choose to stay ahead and I'm an ambush. I think many times we, 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 see, we, we see challenges, problems, issues, and we think we're being tested. You're not being tested. Maybe it's not that you're being tested. It's probably that you're being trusted. Because nobody else was willing to kill that lion and bear. Nobody else was willing to face that giant. Nobody else was willing to go and tear down those walls. It's not that you're being tested. You're being trusted. It's like when we say, I'm under attack. You're not under attack. You're the ambush. You're not the threatened. You're the threat. The enemy loses sleep and breaks into a cold sweat about because he knows you're woke. Come on, where are the woke people at who know I'm not the minority. I'm the majority. I'm ahead. I'm an ambush. You know, I, I think it's interesting. As It says, as soon as the enemy starts to uh, advance on Elisha, he says, Lord, strike them with blindness. It says, and the whole army was struck with blindness. What does this tell us? It tells us that one man with sight is more dangerous than an entire blind army. What I believe is that God has given you eyes to see. I believe he's given you fresh vision. Come on, anybody else understand what I'm telling you today? I believe he's given you insight and even foresight into what's happening now and what will take place in the future so that your heart is not moved towards fear or it's moved back towards past tendencies and patterns, but you are standing in a fresh faith. Come on, I believe that what God is doing in all of our lives individually is he's waking us up out of our fear and out of our hopelessness and establishing a lifestyle of living woke. I'm ahead. I'm an ambush. I, I, I love this. You know, the Lord is, has always been trying to get people's sight right. You'll find that part of his Christos messianic mandate from Luke 4 where he quotes Isaiah, he talks about how the spirit of the Lord is upon me and he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the brokenhearted. Watch this. And to return the sight to the blind. Now, he never mentions anything else about deaf ears, lame legs. It doesn't say about hearing coming to deaf ears or strength coming to lame legs. So he's not talking about physical healing here. He is talking about spiritual seeing. He is restoring sight to those of us who are spiritually blind. Are, are you following me? This has been God's game plan. Why is that? Because eyes that look are common, but eyes that see, totally rare. 
This is why God will position you in a place of leadership. You don't even have the title, but you have all the influence. You have all the authority. You have all the clout. You have all the posture and positioning because there are those who see and there are those who don't. And you can totally tell who has navigated the last nine months with faith and who has not. Who with godly sight and who has not. Because there are those of us who said, I don't care what headlines come out. I don't care what culture says about it. I'm staying woke and I'm not going back. I'm going to stay ahead and I'm going to stay in ambush. God is giving people sight. He's been doing this from the beginning. Remember Abraham? He literally tells Abraham, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. 16 years into a 25-year journey, he starts to get a little discouraged. And Abraham's like, um, when, when this is going to happen? Because we ain't got no babies. I, I, I'm praying and playing, but ain't nothing happening. So what's happening? And sure enough, God says, boy, go outside. That's the Texas side. This is the Chris Estrada version. Boy, go outside. And, and he goes outside. He says, count the stars. And, uh, you know, Abraham starts one, two. If it was me, he lost count after 12 and probably counted the same one twice, you know. Like, and he just gets, he says, Lord, this is what he says. Lord, there's too many. There's no way to count them all. There's too many. And the Lord says, so shall your descendants be. He's opening his eyes to his promise again. You remember when Joshua was about to invade Jericho, the first battle into the promised land, the conquering of Canaan, the first battle of the conquering of the promised land. He's taking a walk on the eve, literally, as the sun's setting, and all of a sudden, it says Jesus, the, angel, the commander of the angel of the Lord armies, shows up with his sword drawn. And, and Joshua sees him and goes, hey, you for us or for our enemies? I mean, this dude is ghetto. I mean, he is ready to fight. I mean, why is that? Because he's been pregnant with a victory that he couldn't deliver for 40 years in a desert he should never have been in. I feel like there's people who are pregnant with victory, pregnant with purpose, pregnant with position, pregnant with direction. I'm talking about prophetic promises. I'm talking to your business, to your school. You are full of this and you're just waiting for the right moment like now. And he tells, he tells Joshua, Joshua says, you for us or for them? And, and Jesus says, no. But as commander of the angel armies of the Lord, I have now come to show you, see, I have given you Jericho. They haven't even fought a battle yet. What is he doing? He's opening Joshua's eyes. Jesus, let me just take this further. Jesus is walking through a grain field. And he literally says, look, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. He's not talking about farming facilities. He is talking about spiritual sight. Are you, Jesus, how many of you know Jesus gets away with everything? This man interrupts, interrupts a funeral. I mean, like, there's a funeral procession. He stops it, raises a guy while he's laying in his coffin. What? Right? I mean, this Jesus, I mean, he has people, people cutting holes in the roofs of where he's having his Bible study. Ain't nobody tripping. You know like, Jesus gets away with everything. He even takes spit. He takes a spittle, puts it in the mud, rubs it around, takes the mud, puts it on a blind guy's eyes, and then asks, has the audacity to ask, hey, what do you see? <laughs> and this guy, watch this, it says he takes the mud, puts it on his eyes, and this guy, he says, what do you see? And this guy says, I see men walking around like trees. Yeah. And she says, okay. He takes more mud, puts it in his eyes, and then again he says, what do you see? He says, I see clearly now. Wow. Now, a lot of people have thought, well, that was a progressive healing, it was a progressive miracle. No. What it really is, is Jesus was opening his spiritual sight before he could see in his natural. It is more important that you are woke here before you ever woke out here. You say, how do you back this up in scripture? Because I know we got some theologians, hermeneutical, philosophical, all those homiletical people up in here. 
you'll find that trees are constantly referred to as people in your scripture. Believe it or not, I am Professor Estrada, okay? I'm the hottest professor you've ever seen, I'll tell you that, all right? But I am Professor Estrada. I've been doing it for 12 years, all right? You'll find that it's always linked to people. Doesn't it say in Psalms 2, blessed is a man who does not sit with the wicked, nor in the seat of the scornful, nor dwells with the ungodly, but is established in righteousness, for he will be like a tree planted by the river of God. Jesus even said, you will know a tree by its fruit because a good tree bears good fruit and a bad tree bears bad fruit. He's not talking about having a green thumb. He's talking about people. Are you following me? You know, what I have been so aware is of 2 Corinthians 4, 4. It says the God of this age has blinded the minds of the people. It is trying to get us weighed down with cares of this life that should have been in his hands and never on my shoulders. The, I'm telling you, the perceptions, the ideas, the thoughts, I'm telling you, it says the God of this age is blind to the minds of the people, yet Jesus carries a mandate that I am going to restore spiritual sight to the blind so that when storms do come and giants do get in front of me and I do see walls, I'm triggered, I'm activated, I'm prone to go forward into it instead of running away from it. Come on, you don't have a wishbone, you have a backbone now because you are staying woke. You stay ahead, you get to say, I'm an ambush. And here's the third thing you say with your life if you're woke. Number three is, I'm an answer. I'm an answer. You know, I, uh, I love that I get to serve under an amazing vision at Missions Me. Unite the global church for the salvation and transformation of nations. This is the only table we want to eat from. I know we got a lot of our staff and students that come to this church. I, I, I've been on the team now for almost two years. And I'll never forget this story that happened back in 2011. Now that I'm on the team, I claim every story is mine. <laughs> but I, I, you can do that. Um, I, I remember being told that we were going into Honduras. We met with the president. We found ourselves in the president's office. And we said, Mr. President, the country's in pain. The homicide rate is here. The suicide rate is here. Your poverty lines are extending, not decreasing. We said, but what if God was speaking to, to Honduras through the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 66, 8, where it says, can a nation be saved in a day? Can a people be reborn in a moment? We said, Mr. President, we want to ask you for five things. Number one, would you stand with us two years from now in the largest stadium in the largest city of your nation and declare that Honduras is a new nation under Jesus? Number two, would you open up all the borders of your country so we can ship in millions of dollars of humanitarian aid? Number three, would you open up every high school so that we can bring a 2,000 missionary army into these high schools and preach Jesus with an altar call and plug them into a church? Number four, would you give us the largest stadiums in the largest cities of your nation? And number five, would you underwrite all of the audio, visual, and lighting in these stadiums? You know, just some small asks to really journey a, a world leader. And... Uh, president took a resolution out of his desk and signed it into motion. The next month, it passed unanimously through the Honduran government. It was powerful. It birthed the One Nation, One Day vision. We're about 18 months into this journey. I mean, we are uniting the church. We are bringing people from all over the world. We have strategies from sports clinics, medical clinics, government forums, uh, political forums, uh, education training, fire. I mean, we just think of everything you've ever done on a mission trip, and it happens in a One Nation, One Day, One Day LA moment. And I, 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 I'll never forget being told the Minister of Tourism came to us and said, hey, you can't come. And we're like, what, 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 no, I'm woke. No, what do you mean? No, we coming. No, we are coming. You know? No, you can't come. You rented, we booked a 747 
and a 747 can't land in Honduras because the largest plane they can land is a 737. What happened was is no major airline would believe that we could afford 2,000 international tickets, and so nobody was giving us any time of day. Not Delta, not American, not, I'm salty about it, not none of these people, all right, was going to give it to us. And not, not, we were willing to pay nothing. And so we had to go and rent our own 747. And we didn't realize that the biggest plane that could land in Honduras was a 737. So we, he said, you can't come. We said, what will it take in order for this plane to land? He said, well, you have to extend the runway. You have to also build, basically build a bigger airport, extend the terminal. You have to upgrade all the lighting. You have to get us all new emergency response vehicles throughout the whole airport. And we said, no problem, we'll do it. I said, how are you going to pay for it? We're like, we have a private funder. <laughs> That's faith talk right there. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Sure enough. Over that season of time, the right money, the right resources, the right relationships all came in. And the first 747 to ever land in Honduras was full of God's ambassadors and missionaries ready to pound ground for the salvation and transformation of a nation. Why would that happen? Because we were woke and I stayed ahead and I was, gonna, I was an ambush and I am an answer. You're not here to suck free air. You're not here because somehow you happened. You are a strategy of heaven. You are so anointed, you have no idea. You have so much that carries the gifts yet to be revealed, the grace to come on those gifts, the authority surging through your spiritual veins, and God is just waking you up. That's why this series is so important. Because you get woke. I'm ahead. I'm an ambush. I'm an answer. I love, I love Jeremiah 33.3. I love it. I, I love it. This has been, I say the last 60 days, this has been one I've been praying into personally. The Lord just been so faithful to remind me. He just pours it all over me. He says this in Jeremiah 33, 3, call to me. Just the fact that we can even do that. It's the fact that he created access for us to be able to have an engaging relation. Call to me. And then he says, I'll answer you. I'm thankful we don't serve no idol. We don't serve no mute God. We don't serve no deaf God. He answers. And then watch this. He goes in and starts flexing a little bit. He says, call to me. I will answer you. And then watch this. I will show you great and mighty things which you do not know. I'm telling you, God's into the big and he's into what you might think is insignificant is absolutely important to him. I don't know how to raise each one of my kids. Come on, parents. Let's be honest. Half the time, you don't know if you're helping them out or messing them up. You're going to find out on Oprah one day. You don't know. The truth is when you start praying, God, show me great and mighty things about my children. Show me great and mighty things about my husband or my wife. Show me great and mighty things about my church. Show me great and mighty things about Orange County and what God is doing. I believe that this church is an answer to this region's cry. Because this church has really positioned itself to let the Spirit of God move freely and move and touch people's lives and we're not weird and it's not spooky and it's not strange I bet people are telling Pastor Chris that's weird I'm like you're weird God's the most normal person on the planet Jesus was the most normal person on the planet and he's raising the dead and casting out devils and multiplying food and he's confounding the religious snobby and elite of the day this man is a full package and we get to live the exact same life as him because we're woke now call to me
I will answer you. And I will show you great and mighty things which you do not know. I want to speak to your marriage. Perhaps there's another layer that God is peeling back now so that you could see your spouse in a way that you never knew. Maybe the frustrations as a parent, because those are real. <laughs> you understand why the lion want to eat their young? Like, <laughs> real. <laughs> I've got four. I can say this. Okay. She wants more. I don't. Pray for her, not me. Okay. Anyways, I had to get that out because there's been this rumor. Anyways. When I just feel like I'm at my end, Lord, show me great and mighty things. I can't tell you how many times our strategy, I can't tell you how many times our, our business plan, I can't tell me times I felt blindsided when really it was just a shift. And I watched how God was so faithful. He was so faithful to comfort. He was so faithful to provide. He, just Him being there. Just knowing that He didn't mind getting in the mud with me. Meant the world. I had family that didn't even want to be in there, but yet God stood in my mud. He didn't mind drawing in the dirt for a woman caught in the act of adultery. He didn't mind sitting at a table with mafia tax collectors. He didn't mind going into places and literally releasing the full weight of God everywhere he went. I believe that you're an answer because you are going to release the full heart of God. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.